You know, that's what's so crazy about it is Signature, now or now Signature, they've done a, they do so many of like the whole rodeo environment. I don't know how many, like what the percentage is of people around here that take their horses to them, that rodeo. It's crazy. That Charlie, he's got a lot of responsibility for horses over there, huh? Yeah, no, he's got a lot of horses that he's been taking care of. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I mean, in like, it's pretty much the highest end of them. Like you're a head horse, you know what I mean? Like it's when you get horses that you know like are pretty prestigious over there and it's I'm sure those guys have done it long enough like it's no big deal but the amount of like the volume the like people that trust him with their best stuff is pretty yeah, crazy. He, Charlie's done really good for me. My mare got kicked a couple of years ago and chipped her knee and then I mean he had her back ready to go right I mean when as soon as possible and she she's been sound ever since and he keeps Keeps her sound all the time, so that's pretty nice. Yeah. I always have her. Do you inject yours a lot? Um, like take I them mean, in and like yeah, how often I mean, do you I, take head horses in, you think? I mean, if I ever feel them being a little bit off, I try to take them in there. That way we can catch it before I tear anything or do anything. If they're starting to work off a little bit and then um, – but I'll bring them there twice a year just to make sure everything's good, just to go through them, make sure they're, they're feeling good. And that way I'm ahead of them if they do start getting sore. Where did you grow up in California um, Los Olivos, California. Where's that at? It's probably uh, 45 minutes north of Santa Barbara and same uh, from Santa Maria, south of Santa Maria. Okay. And you've kind of always have traded horses, rode a bunch of horses. Like, what was it when you stayed at our house? You had that the pony that you sold in the middle of the night. What was it? I, tell oh, me that yeah. story again. I, uh, one, one time when I was pretty young, I sold a it's like this dream horse app, and me and my friend Ali Bilkey, we're always bought and sold ponies and just jacked around all day at the house. Well, she puts this pony on dream horse, and uh, we sell it for 7500 or something like that. And they, they, in the middle of the night, they sent like a transport, one of those big tr- like trucks with <laughs> yeah. stalls in them. And I didn't tell my dad because I really didn't know they were going to um, show up in the middle of the night. And they knock on the door, and he was, he was pissed at me and just... <laughs> But it, yeah, we just, I just have always kind of messed around with ponies and goats how, and stuff like that. How old were you when you did that? I bet I was, I don't know, 11. 11 years old? And yeah. Like someone's showing up in the middle of the night like, hey, I need to haul this pony. Yeah. We, yeah. Did you not even think they were like, it was. I don't know. I mean, it, I didn't really, I didn't see it. Allie's a couple years older than me, so she kind of knew how to mail stuff and do yeah. everything. I just was riding the pony and she kind of did the online stuff. So I didn't really know what was happening. <laughs> So, man, you, you know, you've obviously grew up roping. It's a pretty good spot over there as far as there's quite a – I mean, it's pretty populated in California, but there is some really good areas that, that do rope really, really well. So when when did you kind of get roping and, and really kind of get into it? I mean, ever since I was – I mean, little, that's kind of what I had as a toy was a rope. Um, and then I just uh, – my dad roped and everyone around kind of – rode horse and stuff so i just ever since i was big enough to be riding i was i mean riding a horse around or just i'd chase the chase all the score steers down try to rope them and stuff like that and i mean so i mean i've been roping since i was a little little kid yeah and but i've just been lucky enough to be around a bunch of people that have roped good so i mean that's helped me out a lot too just always surrounded by guys that rope good you know when you're like that 
teenage, you know, those years, it's like everything's really impressionable. Like you kind of, you can pick up on things faster, it seems like. Who are some of the headers that you were around or what was like made some of the biggest impact? Because, you know, you learn how to head really, really well, but you've always rode horses really well. So it seems like those kind of have always meshed. Yeah, I just, um, I, I just, there's just a bunch of healers around me. So I just headed, I was the header. Yeah. Um, I stayed, uh, when my dad passed away, I, I'm, I moved to like all my horses to Los Alamos to Mike Montegetti's house. And I would just, uh, he rode, you know, they sold horses and he uh, had outside horses. So I would just ride the outside horses, whatever he had that were head horses. And, and then I just head for him and John Chavez all day. And I was always uh, had a lot of access to like fresh cattle and those guys both head and heel good. So if I was ever doing something wrong, they, you know, they would just tell me, but they're, they're both good with horses and all that. So I just watch them and see what kind of works and not. And, uh, and then growing up, just, I got to rope, uh, one of my really good friends, Dylan Winger, we roped every single day together and he, he rides a horse really good. So I've always just been around people that have, you know, been good with horses. So if I ever needed help or anything, it was easy just to ask them or, right. you know. Do you think roping, like, I, I see it a lot. I, I feel like in the West, the steers get better feed, they're stronger and in certain times of the year, right? And then on top of it, they rope outside a lot. So it's like deeper boxes, longer arenas. Some I think the steers run more when you're outside. Or in general, I think you're just roping outside, steers stay stronger. So do you think that's like a, been a big part of it too? Is a lot of a lot of longer boxes, and you had to really learn how to ride your horse across, you know, two. Yeah, I, when I first uh, started coming to Texas, and I stayed at Duke and Kelly, I mean, it was a big difference going to these roadie like North Side. I mean, I've never even been. I didn't even know how to come over the gates, or still right. really don't <laughs> that good. But um, I mean, I'm way more comfortable at like a longer setup. You know, I like Reno and stuff like that. Once you get out in the summer, I, I like those rodeos. And I had to kind of train myself to rope in the buildings more, use my horse, don't throw as much rope, try to try to use, try to cut out some steps and make it, you know, keep the rope tight and all that because I really didn't know how to use the building wall and stuff to, in my advantage. So it, it took me, it took me a little bit to figure out how to do that out here for right. sure. Right, because I guess when you say like, roping outside there's so much more room so if you do got a, like a real good steer you can use a lot of your rope you've got a lot of room to 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 take the steer to like straight left like you don't got to worry about coming up a wall yeah you can go out the front a little, you can go you know up down the arena a little bit more and use more of the arena and that way the steer can keep moving forward where in the buildings like if you go too far you're gonna if you, you know you have their head and they're not taking it and you you go with them down the arena, you're gonna get pinched in the wall and make your healer have to take a fast shot it's almost better off just get them squared off in the middle of the arena and pull them across the arena if you know worst case scenario in a, in a building i think when did you start really figuring that out um i've always just kind of wanted to try to handle my dad was really big on me like when i was little to handle this year like almost worry about the healer more right because he healed and he wanted to get handled every <laughs> yeah. day so you know he'd tell me get a hold of her head neck shoulders and then pull the steer and so I just kept, I, I just did that like a lot every day. I just spun steers for him and I got to where I was pretty patterned. I feel like, like as if you're training a horse. Yeah. <laughs> so then once I started roping with, you know, higher number of people and stuff, they would, they want me to move them, but I kept, I just tried to keep the same basics down and that's helped with, you know, 
my horses and everything because my horse, if you handle the steer good, your horse is going to work good. Yeah. If, if the steers are handling bad, your horse probably isn't getting a hold of the steer correctly. Well, the one thing about your heading, um, I feel like you're one of the best guys at like that one, one and a half coil shot, putting them on the end of it. So to me, like, what does your ideal run look like? Like, what are you, as a header, like, what do you try to do? So, and then what does it feel like when you're, your healers, because you got, you got a lot of guys that heal really good at the jackpots that, you know, so what do, as a, like overall the shot that your healers get to take too? Yeah. I mean, like the guys I rope with, I mean, they're, they heal every steer really good. And if I can just keep, keep, try to keep the steers stride and keep the momentum of the run good and keep their head. I mean, that's what I'm worried about is just try not to snatch the steer away and just keep the steer in front of them and keep their head, bringing back up the arena. And as long as I keep tension on their head and I'm pulling them, I mean, they eat them up. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's what I, I've roped. Some Weston, I've roped so many steers together and, you know, I've, I've made things. We've, we've just figured out what, how, how to catch this, like how to make it as easy as possible. Just cause I mean, when we started roping, we wrote, I mean, before we even started roping, we roped every single day together. And I mean, Monday through Saturday, you know, I mean, every day. So we just made so many runs that it was just, it got to be where it was easy. Right. So going back to that, like, you know, when you're younger, I remember watching you at the pro road is, I don't even think you had your card. I remember like seeing you on a permit maybe a few times, like out in Arizona and stuff. And one thing I always like shocked me with your heading. I, I couldn't believe how good you could head at 18. Like I could like how good you could head the horns. The one thing I always wondered is this like when I would talk to you, like you didn't seem very confident or like you believed in yourself, right? Like is is was that a issue, like confidence and like what you're actually capable of? Or would would you say that, like what did you think that was like for you at that age? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in California and I mean there was we have a couple a couple of headers out there, but it, the, the open opens and stuff like that. I mean, it, it, they are not even compared to how tough they are out here. And I mean, so I just, I mean, I was just trying to stay real with myself. You know what I mean? I knew that I wrote good, but I needed to do a good job. You know, I just, I was inconsistent, I guess. I, I knew I was rope good enough, but I, I, I needed to get to where I could put the runs together. And uh, I don't really want to be out here and just having fun. I want to be making money while I'm doing it because that's what's fun to me is when I can pay for my own deal. So being inconsistent, I had to get, I had to stay aggressive but get where I can catch more. And that took me a while. That's why when I was younger, I probably wasn't as confident in yeah. what I had going on. But I just never seen rope and how it was when I got out here. There's so many guys that rope good. And um, so it was just eye opening, you know. So do you think like confidence, um, that's kind of came through work, right? Is what you're saying with that? Like the harder you've worked and the more you've proved that you can do it, the more and more you believe in, in yourself and like how you've been able to win and what you can do. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of makes sense, I guess? Yeah. No. And I mean, I would just go to the Ropens and I mean, go to the, go to the, uh, Travis Chinese stuff, some open Ropens, weekly open Ropens. I'd go over there, lose. And then I'd have to go to the slides and put my money back together and then work on why, you know, I was waving off the right horn a lot for a while. I had to figure out why. I mean, it just took a lot of steps to go to the ropings and lose. And then my way of making money again was to go to the slides and try to put, you know, win of those, make another 300 to go for that, that next week. And then, and uh, just trying to, that, that's just how I had to get through it kind of. 
Is that how you address your open still? Like if you're, if you're consistently like making a mistake, right? And you're like, I got to fix this. Is that something that you just were able to learn early and, and keep doing if you like picking things out? Like, hey, I need to work on this on my heading before it becomes a, a well, problem? Well, yeah, like there's a lot of things that I need to work on. Like, and, and you're going to, sometimes you're going to be riding good and, and rope and everything's going good. And sometimes your riding's going to be bad and that's going to make your roping bad. So I think it helps to just start uh, canceling things out. Like, all right, am I riding my horse right? Good. You know, is that why he's hanging on me? And then if you start riding good, and then you can know, you know what I mean? And then, and then, you know, if it's your rope. And so I think to start picking one step that's, and start going back through the fundamentals, that's why I think it's really important to have a good foundation on your rope and knowing why you're missing. Because then when you are in a slump in the summer, you can be like, okay, well, I had this problem a long time ago. I think, you know, this is what the pro- I knew how to fix it. And right. that's what's helped me out now is to, I mean, it's a, it's a long race all year. So, I mean, you're going to get to where you're making mistakes and all that, but you got to know why you're doing it to be able to bounce back faster and not fall behind because the next week there's another every week in the summer you can win at least ten thousand dollars so i mean you can't get in a slump and not get out of it for three weeks you know the next week you make up for the last week yeah so falling on like your fundamentals are essentially the solution to missing right like strong fundamentals if if things are going wrong and you can fall back on that that then you can like start picking that out is it fundamentals of my riding and my swing things like that is that how and then you yeah. break it down like that yeah like i'm typically more aggressive so i at the ropens and just uh so i want i need to just make sure i'm doing my fundamentals right i focus on that so once you know if you're if you're being too slow and doing all the fundamentals right now you need to work on going at them you need to be more aggressive and however that however you got to do that that's what you got to go home and work on getting your rope up faster getting on the steer or if maybe you're getting on them faster but you're not you don't have enough control of your horse at so the corner's really long and your healer can't heal him to the third hop well maybe slow down and get control of the steer's head and you know head neck shoulders turn them off and see what your healer likes that and see what your times are i mean like out here we they in uh i mean we get to go ropes like where it's go one time and and they'll have two pots so you can go see what your time is just don't even go out there and try to be you don't have to go be five on every steer just go see what you are just catching you and your partner's time right and then you know where you're at and like uh wesley and i've even done this like we'll, we'll start at the house and we'll get on we'll ride say six horses and every horse we get on we try to make a you know make five run clean runs and when we first started doing that you know we we wouldn't you know we'd you know we'd do it sometimes and then sometimes you know wave it off one or whatever you know something would happen so it just helped just doing it every day you know we roped every day so it's just easy to get in a routine. Catching's the last thing I'm, you know, I want to be worried about when I go to the roping. I just want to, I'm just, I want to be confident in what I have going on that I can just back in the box and go get through the roping because that's what we're working on. That's what we're doing that day. We're not really, we shouldn't be thinking about if, you know, don't do this, don't do that. I want to be able to do it so easy at the house. So when I go to the roping, I'm just worried about getting through the roping. Knowing if I'm, you know, maybe if I need to press a little bit harder, but, or not, but not be worried about missing. Right. So when you say the fundamentals, <clears throat> the two things I, I think are go with this, right, is there's the riding aspect of it. So when you have like a, like the fundamentals down or like a, a header that rides really, really well and sets it up, what does that look like to you as far as what do you want your heading, just the horsemanship side to where you get to the spot where you get to throw your rope and handle steers to look like? I mean, just, I mean, just smooth and not a lot of wasted 
wasted motions. You know what I mean? Like leave the box, your horse. I mean, perfect run. Your you know horse stands pretty stands flat. Goes straight to the steer. Uh, you know, a little bit wide, like not where you're running out in the left lane, but just going to him. Like reading the cow. Yeah, good. reading the cow, yeah. but on the rope on the you know rope on the way in, pick the steer up and keep everything going. It, you know, and just keep everything in stride where you here can just kick through there and and it just looks like a day off. I mean, that's that's what I think I want. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that like your and, your horse matches the momentum of the steer? So if the steer's running fast, your horse is running fast, but it's still there's like opportunity to throw your rope because he's like read him right, like you're in the right position. Yeah, you, and let your you know, I mean, and if you if you're doing that, then you can see where your healer's at when you put it on the steer. If they're in a good spot, then I mean, it's just easiest to roll them out of there and keep them in front of them, and you got them on the got them on a tight rope and the flagger. It's easy to read. The, the, and when you start making runs like that, the flaggers you know, can trust your run. Like these guys do this every time, you know, so they start flagging you better and it just, it seems like the momentum builds and it gets faster. Right. And then the ne next component to the, like the fundamentals would be just your heading swing, right? Like your actual like talent with your rope. And so if that can kind of match up the same, like where it's, if you need to throw fast, you can pick your rope up early. If you need to ride to the spot where, wherever the run is going to be made at um, to win money that day, your rope can catch them there right so if your horse is there and your rope's yeah. there then both of those things should you you should be turning a lot of steers and making good runs right yeah i mean i think the big deal with the jackpots is just try to catch as many steers as you can try to make the short round with every single run even if it comes down to a barrier and a leg and you're you're 40 on you're 40 on four and they're going to take 20 and there's only 19 in it make the short round and then go make a good run get your fees back that way you can go to the next one and your confidence isn't bad you know because it's hard to take um missing it's hard to take going and losing three times in a row and thinking the fourth time you're going to go in the rope and you know financially and emotionally <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially emotionally that's yeah. what it, it's real bad you know when you and wesley first started roping uh are you guys the same age yeah he's a year older than me okay so he's a year old how old are you now 25 25 and he's 26 and you guys started when you were we started roping a lot together when you were like 17, right? Was that when you started coming down here or were you 18? Um, yeah, I was 17 probably when we started roping. I roped with him, honestly. He was, um, I entered Tucson with TJ McCulley on my permit. We yeah. won second. That was like my first, well, my first rodeo was, I went with Dalton Pearson to Brawley. And I think I missed at that one. And then we went to Tucson. I went to Tucson with TJ McCulley. We won second there. And I was like, I, I like rodeo and, you know, it was yeah. fun. And then we went. To, I entered Glen Rose with Wesley on my permit. And uh, this is back when he still was riding that bald faced dun horse. Okay. And uh, Turtle Pal picked me up at my house, and my horse had an abscess. <laughs> Turtle had to let me on as a good sorrel. And we ended up winning the rodeo, too. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I've been roping Wesley since I was, I mean, that's our, uh, since my permit here. I like it. So Wesley's different, right? He He's different in the sense of, very few guys have won a lot of money at every level of roping. Like he's won since he was really young and it never really stopped. Like I think before he was even 18 years old, didn't he win like the Spicer Grip? Like I, I think. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, he's like, been winning. He's been winning since he was old enough to win stuff. So, <laughs> and he was winning at a high level really like pretty fast, you know, like as 
as a guy like he's won the whole way up but when he get usually when you get to the open level it's there's kind of a, a lull and it takes a while to learn how to win at that spot like once you can get that those guys that go from like really good amateur guy like at a young age to to the winning of the pros he's i mean it still took him a while but he was winning a lot is that something you like realize like hey i gotta I got a guy back here. What was that like when you, when you feeling like with his run? You know, when you what get a guy I liked that can win. About what I liked about rope start when we first started roping too is we're the same age, so we, you know, we had fun together roping. But he has a really good mindset, like about like just winning. It's not like he's trying to do anything crazy to win the rope. He's just trying to win. What what is the task in front of him? He's just trying to catch the steer. I mean, he's not trying to. Um, beat other people he's just trying to catch every steer and that's what's helped me a lot is that he's helped me just because i would try to do things try to do things i'm not i don't do every day and he's more about just do what we practice and but and and then we rope so much together that my mindset you know we can go to kind of the same now it's helped us for sure yeah yeah, he just had such a good mindset i think that's what's probably made him i mean i don't know that's what i would think made him difference at a young age is that he just didn't let the pressure get to him because he's just thinking about doing the same thing he does every day, but just catching steers. I mean, not thinking about the money or letting the, you know what I mean, something get in his way. He, he'll win second, third, first. It doesn't, I mean, yeah, it doesn't he, matter. But he keeps putting himself in that winning circle in the short round to have a chance to do something. So, I think he, he's like one of the true definitions of roping for a living. Like he, yeah. he was trying to to pay for everything and – and you know you've been the same way so you guys have had that in common so it's like going two slides you guys compete all the time right so yeah like, we went to every rope and i mean we, if there was a slide we were going to it i mean and every little open roping we would try to go to and just uh just to rope i mean make money and <laughs> what do you think is the biggest thing like that you learn from competition that you just cannot teach at home like from pra- from the practice pen I mean, you just got to, I think, like with me being from California, we don't have a lot of big ropings and stuff. And like 500, it was a lucky seven roping. It was like the biggest roping I've ever, you know, entered before, you know, kind of before. And I entered the BFI a little bit, but like $500 is a lot. And you come out here and you're putting up a lot of money. And it's just, I think it really, it would help. It really helps to compete all the time. So you're comfortable competing. I mean, I, I can, I used to jackpot a lot in California and uh and I mean I think that's what's helped me at a young age is that I was always you know competing so learning like how to read the barriers yeah, just and timing of the timing you know how to hit the barrier and just the feel of getting out and setting the run up and you know and what works and doesn't you know and just I mean when you enter the slides or whatever you go six times or eight times or but you got to try to make you know just try to get through the rope with every partner Seems like you can make money if you do that if this opens. Well, and I think you learn how to like manage each setup as well. Like you'll know some setups like well, like the BFI, for example, at the beginning of the roping, if you're up in like the first 20 teams, it's a really good idea to get a good spot to watch the barrier. Yeah. Because they there's everyone is trying to watch it early. So it's like hard to get a good look at ropens like that. And you kind of know, like, hey, if I'm up early, I need to go over there early and get a good spot, hang out by that box. And you know, there's just different setups like that just are score different steers play different ropings play different and the more you learn that and kind of get where you can read cattle is that has that been something that you have 
I mean, I guess I, the question I have for you is, like the other day when we were roping some steers at Clay Logan's, the VIP finals, or excuse me, that was Clay Logan's, the VIP finals, this barrier was really long. Yeah. And I, I remember breaking the barrier on like the third one that was a loper. Yeah. And then you and I were talking about it and you're like, man, I was trying to see more because if I did get one like this and I know I'd be safe, is that something you like just learn through competition, you know, like how to read cattle really well? And I mean, I think it can go both ways. I mean, some guys stay aggressive the whole time with those, like that rope must go twice with a lot of money up. So, I mean, there's a lot of steers that ran in there, but there's enough of them that lope and you can't overcome a barrier really at this roping. So you're better, and, and nobody was being that fast. So you're better off, like the way I think of it is, so I draw good today, I'll, I'll have a chance to win the roping. If I draw strong, at least I'll have a chance to place and I can keep my money together. Um, but it's just too much of a risk. I mean, one of them steers, you know, just leaves slow and because, and you break the barrier. I mean, that sucks because if you'd, you could have missed it by a foot and been still been f- faster than if you nailed the barrier on a runner. Yeah. I mean, so I just, I mean, that's just the way I've played those ropings and it's worked better for me than trying to run off with the rope and on when the steers are kind of iffy i i try to stay off i try to score for the loper right and then if they're leaving then you can go at least hard but if you're on go and you have the loper you know you're probably gonna break the barrier and that's like the worst thing in the world to do is breaking the barrier on the loper especially because that's those are the ones that are the easiest to get ahead in ropings on because you really don't have to to take much risk using on on steers like that yeah when they're run just get i mean just get out and get them on a Get them on. Try to get them on a short rope and get them handling good. And let your healer make up the time more in those ropings when the steers are, you know, inconsistent leaving. So Annie, she's probably the best horse you've ever rode. Is that the? Is yeah, that, no, my, she's she's my favorite horse I've ever had. What makes her sure. so special? Uh, I don't know. She's she's just. I mean, you can do anything with the steer. I mean, I mean, you can go out three of them and then run to the hip on the on the fourth one and she's gonna go right in like you've been doing it all day i mean she's just been really honest she's just really honest horse and did you train her from the word go or how did, how did I mean, you kind of no, go about getting her i bought her from tracy to um john chavez actually told me to buy her i wanted a horse just a project horse and um he said that his uh sister-in-law had it and one that i'd probably want big enough to head on so i went over and checked it out and she was She's kind of goosey, goosey, kind of want to hump up and just kind of be, but she was something I could use, you know, she was cheap. So, so I got her and just, I mean, she probably had, I mean, 90 to 120 days on her. She's four years old. Um, and I just started roping the donkey on her and um, we just, just check steers on her brand on her, just kind of use her around the house, like brandings and stuff like that. And, and then I started just roping on her and she, uh, she took to it pretty good. I mean, she's always had a lot of cow, but getting a brand on them and stuff, I think makes a big difference. Like using them outside. She, I mean, she has a lot of try. I mean, she'll go all day. I mean, I think that makes a big difference in horses because I could jack, I mean, I mean, I, I've rode some horses that are really nice horses, but don't have a lot of heart, you know, like they get aired out and they don't, at the end of the day, when they're tired and sore, they, they kind of give up on you. But I mean, even when she's sore, she's going to give you as much as she can. You know, and I think that makes a big, that's why I think she's really good for me to rodeo on. And I mean, that's what I think all the great horses do. They still work through the pain if they're a little bit sore and all that. 
Well, I think ranching is huge because they have to kind of preserve themselves. You know, they can't use too much energy if they get long days and they wear out and they, they still have to keep going. Like there's one thing about it. Like they have to think all the time for themselves out there. And there's really something to be said about keeping horses together. If they've ran cattle down outside and pastures and stuff like that, like you get chasing them for a while. And it's, you know, the, the ones that get pretty good at that, you know, if you, if you're, got the right game plan with them i think they do when they put them in the arena it's not a big deal to chase a cow it's it's pretty simple to them right yeah i think like with the right guys outside they keep them broke and stuff like that. i think i really like rope on them after that because they put um they, you put a lot of pressure on them outside really and and then they don't get in the arena and get nervous and, and not saying not make them nervous outside or whatever but you can you know work in a gate on them or whatever they have to be patient right there you know, if you're going to step in front of one or whatever, they have to be on, you know, ready. And I think that's good to know if they can take that and, you know, how they, how they do that, how, how they do doing that stuff. Right. Was there a time when you're like, or when was the time? Cause I know there's obvious bit of time on this one. You're like, this is the horse. Like she is unreal. Like this one is special and she is different. Is there a time when that just really jumped out? Like I got something here. I mean, I always kind of liked her. Like, I, I thought she was pretty cool. I kind of just liked riding her. She's cool looking. So I was like, yeah. you know, I always, I, I, I messed, I rode her a lot. And, but I want to do a good job on her because she's kind of the first horse that, or, you know, one of the, I'm probably, the, I mean, probably the first horse that I really got and spent, you know, finished her all the way out. And, um, that was the first one. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's I had, cool. One other one when I was younger that it was well, I mean, a half sister there was a to pony. her. There was a pony. In yeah, there I mean, too, I've, I, but I, I mean, that's the first one that I was like, I'm not going to jack around on this one. I'm going to try to do a really good job, like a really good job on this horse, and take take my time. And um, and I mean, she was awesome. Like when I started, I mean, the first like she, I scored on her. I mean, I did everything the way I wanted it, and made sure she got it before I put a bunch of pressure on all that. And and then um. The first, I started taking her rope, and I took her to, like, um, the horse I was riding at the open, like, in the open rope, and then got hurt or something. I was like, oh, I took her down to, like, Riverside Rancheros rope, and it's uh, down in Riverside, California. Yeah. And I wanted on her, and the act of finals is, like, the next week or, like, whatever. And I was like, well, shoot, I just took her up there. So she went from, I mean, pretty much not getting to go to, I maybe took her to like one little rope around the house and then I started taking her to open rope. And so she took a lot of pressure off the bat. And how old was she when, when you started like taking her to those opens right there? She's, I think she was six. Wow. Six. I think she was six years old. That's pretty special. Do you think head horses, like what makes a great head horse is when they start losing their breath and like essentially like get deep into ropens and they continue to work the same as they did at the beginning or even get better is that what she because i think that's what i see with her a lot like you can be deep into a rope and she's the same throughout the whole deal yeah like i can get into a rhythm on her throughout the rope and like once the first one just get a you know get the first one caught feel the rope and out and then once i get the timing down like like i can get in a rhythm making runs on that mare and she doesn't get too tight and she lets me get over the front of her and be aggressive enough to try to be in the lead of the roping, but doesn't get too tight where she's taking my rope away. Right. And I think that's why I like her a lot to, to use rodeo too, because I can, I can get a lot of, I get to send out of her still reach and she puts them on the end of it and then can keep the rope tight and be faced with, and I can keep, I can pay attention to the steer and she handles herself right across the arena. 
How old is she now? Um, she is 12. She might be 13. 12 so, or 13. So six or seven years you've been able to ride her, and she's she's it's, stayed good the whole yeah. time. She's just been true to it the whole time. Yeah. I mean, she's she's going to get it, but I've done it right. Like, I've, or I've, you know, if she ever did get anything, just like my heading, like I, if if I'm having a problem in one spot, I'll go home and address it and and just get her confident back. Most of the time, like when that mare messes up, she's just insecure about what's, you know what I mean? When she was young, younger, she was just be insecure about what's going on or not confident in it. So just go home and slow it down and let her just relax and and then go back to it. Is that he try to keep like confidence in your horses or build it back up is kind of go home and slow it back down and rip a lot of slow steers? Is that what you usually do? I mean, I, I like to. That's what I, I like to do if, it's, yeah. if I can. I mean, I think it's good to have some slower steers that you can see them out a little bit. And I'm not just going to gas her to the steers, but I want my horses running to the steer. You know, I want them gaining. So, it, to te- I mean, so when they're younger, I think it's good to let them gain on the steer. That way they get confidence in gaining. When you run fast years all the time on a, on a, on a young horse, and, the, and they, they kind of lose their confidence that they can't catch up to the steer. And when... Uh, and then, you know, once they get pretty solid on those, you know, medium slow steers, then you can run a couple strong ones and throw, you know, see less of a little start and let them catch up to those fast and slow them down. Because usually on slow, I think if you're up too much lopers and they're just rolling to the left or whatever, then your horse kind of gets to just not getting a hold of the steer and slowing them down. Right. So I think you do too much of both, but once once they're pretty solid going to slow steers, I like to try to make, you know, four or five, four runs, you know, two, three runs, put them, you know, for, for your, like, see a start, go to them, be sharp with your rope, make them work, and then go, and then end the day with maybe just going slow and letting them just catch up and stay behind the steer for a couple. Right. That way they stay confident with your, being able to leave your hand down. Leave your hand down is probably the most important thing heading it that you can get. If you can have a lot of run and use your left hand very little, I think it's it's huge. You know, it means they're in the perfect place the whole time, well, right? That's honestly, I mean, I guess thinking about it, that's why she my I think that's why that mare is so good for me is that when I drop my hand to go up, I mean, when I leave the box, I'm just I mean, I'm yeah, I'm riding at the steer, but I don't have to rein. Like I'm never having to tell her, "Hey, we need to go over there now." You know, like she's already doing it, and that's that's what makes a big difference of the jackpots and all that. Like I, I mean, I mean, in a, you know, blink of an eye, she's going to go over to him or step over and move and move over for me. Right. And that's and that that's just one more thing I don't have to worry about. I can focus on my roping. I mean, I think that was head and heel horses, so they put the steer in a good spot to rope them. That's that's what a winner I mean, is. That's right? what it comes down to. It. Yeah. I mean, all the all the horses, all the guys that are consistent. I mean, you can see all the shot looks the same. It's not like they're. I mean, it's not like every shot they're throwing over the horse's ears, or you know, what I mean, way to the right, or I mean, every time the steer's in the same spot, and that sets the run up the same every time, <clears throat> and which lets the healer get to where their horse will be solid, and they don't have to touch the reins. Right. Well. And- then that way, all the like all the shots you're you're taking are dictated by like what's the roping feel like, what's the steer like, you know, and then you can kind of create your shots after that. If it's your horses are both reading it, you know, you can if you need to go faster or slower, it, it just adds adds variety into your run and it adds control. And that's that's like the hardest thing to to probably learn when you go from practice to to competing a lot is like 
what's going to, what's it going to take to win today? And then that's ever changing. You know, the situations are just different with what you're drawing, how the roping has been going. And uh, so the more your horse can offer you shots throughout the day and control in the speed of your run, that just makes sense that that would be a winner, right? Yeah. I mean, you need, I mean, the big deal is I, in the open ropings, we're always rope breaking in steers. They're always fresh. Usually sometimes the steers, you got to just get a hold and turn them, but I want the option to be able to run, throw a coil or two and be able to pick up my horse and move towards the catch pen with the steer without turning him and slow the steer stride down and get him legal, like get his feet together. Because, um, I mean, when you're on one that's kind of wanting to, when you put it on the saddle horn, get a hole, I mean, that's going to, that's gives, that takes about 50% of your chances of winning that day away because you were going to get one steer out of the 10 you rope with your two partners that's going to not take it and it's going to make your healer have to take. A, a pretty iffy shot which probably slip a leg if your horse is getting too aggressive or you might direct the shear down and i like the option to be able to pick the shear up and be soft with them because that could be a big advantage or open little natives or just a little weak cattle that are fresh i mean it, it it just makes it some days it's better to just handle the steer better than use your rope right and i think if you can recognize that when you get to the rope and that'll help a lot yeah. When there's some days, you know, everybody's going out, oh, but this, you know, and you think, wow, these steers are, are, are pretty wild. I think it's better to get them on a close, tight rope and set them up. Right. All right. So you talked about earlier making money, right? Like you, you said, I, I find this really interesting because you want to make it on your own and making money. So one thing, like you've always kind of hustled and you've always kind of found a way to make it work. When... When and how have you tried to combine that with your, you know, the, essentially there's roping for a living, like just competing. But I don't think a lot of people really understand like what goes on at your house. Like you ride them all day long. You're constantly finding horses, making good horses. If they're not fitting you, you can sell them. And, and that's, so that's been something that you've been able to do a really good job where you get essentially paid to, to practice, right? Well, yeah. I mean, like it brings me back to when I lived at Mike Montegetti's house, I... Uh, I mean, that's what, you know, that's what he does. He rides horses and he'd sell them and, you know, he keeps them for himself or what, you know, just that's how he made money. And that's how, so then, I mean, I've just kept doing it and I've always paid for my jackpot and either with my roping, it'd pay for itself. Or if that wasn't paying for itself, I have two options. I'm selling the horses that I'm practicing on. I, I, yeah, the, the, the same sentence, I can't just rope for myself. I mean, from day one to the last day and just make them a practice horse. I kind of rope um, try to make them as good as I can. And then I can always sell them and that make a little bit of money. And if I've had a, had a couple that turned out to be, you know, fit me good and I'd use them at the Robins and I've sold a couple and, you know, that were better for other people. And so, I mean, I just, that's kind of how I've made, it's just how I, I did it before I rodeoed. And then I ended up, you know, I started rodeoing and I was like, Oh, I mean, okay. I've made it a couple of times and I was like, all right, well, I guess rodeoing is my real job now. And, but that was kind of what I did before. Right. So you hadn't like just thought, like you've, you've roped and rodeoed and that was what you were trying to do, but you were working at the horse side of it. And I think the, the variable for headers that not a lot of people talk about, especially people that are wanting to come up and do it, is the cost of head horses. And so you've basically been able to learn how to create horses for yourself and, and then not have to spend. I mean, there's a lot of really good horses that – I don't think our rodeo horses that cost fifty thousand dollars, and mm-hmm. so it's just it's it's hard to afford head horses. Um, 
throughout a heading career, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the same deal. Like when I was younger, I didn't have enough money to go to go buy a, I mean, I didn't ever, I mean, a $50,000, I mean, head well, horse. Or, could, you, could we give them like a number when you're younger? Like yeah, what's I the mean, most you ever paid for a horse? You, I mean, you don't have to answer that. I but. mean, but I mean, before I really started rodeoing, the most I ever paid for a horse is probably 15000 maybe, you know? Right. And uh, not often. Yeah. I, you know, I would buy, like I bought Annie for 2,500 bucks and I bought my other bay gelding for my mom, but for 9,000 bucks. I mean, so I have a 11.5 into my two head horses that I'm rodeo on right now. Right. So, which is, I got lucky because I mean, I just happened to come across those two horses, but um, I mean, it's just gotten, it's gotten pretty expensive to be in the game. Well, that's not luck. You know, there's a lot of cheap, cheaper costing horses out there, but the skill to take that horse from a 2500 that horse was worth $2,500 when you probably bought her. Like, you know what I mean? She probably yeah. didn't know a lot. So she's just kind of humpy. You know what I mean? So to get her from that point to the point that you got her, that's like, that's got to be your game plan, your skill and, and, and work. And that, you know, it takes, you said what, two or three years before she even went to competition. I mean, yeah, like, you know, like Joe, uh, Joe Reddick started that horse and he, he lives right there in Los Olivos and, um, he did. He did put a good start on her, though. You know, right. she, she when you picked up the reins, you know, she wanted to be on her hind end. You know, she she stepped over herself. She was she had a good start to her. So, I mean, that's that's I think really important too. Is like they gotta use themselves right naturally, and that's what makes a good horse. Like that's what I look for in my prospects right now. Is that ideally I want them when you pick up the reins to pivot on you know be on their be on their ass and turn around. I mean, that's what I you know I want them to travel low. You know, with the, keep their feet kind of low. Don't be kind of just throwing, high stepping. You know, I, I mean, ideally that's what I look for. I mean, you never know. I've had horses that, you know, have been that shouldn't be good and be good horses and horses that I thought were going to be that were really good prospects and not like them at all. Right. So, I mean, it, you never know if they're going to be the, you know, what horse is going to work. So I, that's why I ride them all. I mean, I don't. I'll get on any. I mean, I'll ride anything if I mean. Yeah, there's some horses you could see and be like, oh, that one ain't going to work. But, I mean, if if I think there's a chance, I ride them because you never know which one's going to feel, you know, different than it looks. Or So what's a typical day at the house look like for you then? You know, when you say you ride them all and put – you've got quite a few horses over there. So, like, what has been the, the body of work? If you said, hey, this is an average day for me at my place, what does that look like? I mean, I typically kind of try to separate it a little bit. Um I mean, some days I'll just be, I'll, I mean, I catch, I'll probably catch nine, 10 horses in the morning, start saddling horses. And if I'm, if I, if I'm having somebody coming over to heal, like for, wanting to get some real practice, then I get on, you know, I make those kind of runs, like making good, like I said, just trying to put runs together, score, see a start, score on those horses, keep everything together. Um, I mean, I just try to, just work on every horse's, you know, weaknesses and keep them confident on the slow days. And then the other days I'm scoring on them and I'm trying to put all the stuff I've slowed down just together in a nice controlled, but still aggressive run. Right. Like I want to, you know, I want to set the, I want to set the run up like to be five and be seven, you know, get a good, like try to nail the barrier put it on them, maybe spend a tick longer in the corner where I could put my hand down and let my horse catch up and know that's a, that's a slowing down point and let them get confident through the corner. Then I'll look to where I'm riding across the arena and put and, and send them to where I'm going there. 
and then pop it off their horn, lope them off, and come back towards the shoots. Right. And that's kind of like what I'll do on them. And that way those horses get confident and just running through the, running across the line, putting it on them, picking them up, getting their feet together. And then when I go to the roping, I'm really just worried about roping again and their handling the steer because that's what all they know how to do. It, you know, I don't try to even like, um, I've never really done the practice horse deal where I get on one and just, you know, it's just a throw, you know, just throw loops on them. Like, I think it's really good to have a really good practice horse, but to have one you can't rope on how you would rope on your good horse, I don't, you might, I think you're better off roping the dummy. It's um, hard to create the same feel. Yeah. Right? If you're on a, you know, it's like, it's hard for me to practice realistic on a horse when I have Annie. So it makes my practice horse need to be better. So that's why I'm better off just buying good prospects, spending a little time going slow, getting them feeling good to where they're, you know, they're still good. Like I can go take them to a rope and win on them, but I can still get eight runs a day on those younger horses and they're still realistic and I'm riding them correctly and I'm making them better. So then when I get back on, because you're going to make more runs on your practice horse than your good horse. So when you have a practice horse and you just, kind of drag them around with your hands and and you kind of got to you know they score them kind of goofy and then you're going to get on your good horse and probably make them feel like that eventually because you that's how your train your muscle memory is trained to hold you know pull or do whatever you do to get out on your practice horse i think it's i think you, you need to try to ride them as good as you can though right and try to balance and, and try to make them better because yeah. then when you get on your good horse you're going to make them better you start learning things that like the horses will kind of teach you things and like ways to control them. Right. Is that yeah, what like you kind that of way? Like, and I, you know, I, I learn, I'm always learning. It seems like on horses, they're always teaching you something or, you know, learning how much pressure you can put on these kind of horses and if, you know, or whatever. And I just think it's, it's good to try to pay attention to what you're doing when you're on them instead of just riding like a truck, you know, it ain't working. Why is it not working? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then that way you can address it, like because I think it is important to have those those runs that feel realistic, but the horse can probably only take so many of those, and you need to like add things to that run or maybe help them be more comfortable and and being able to plan days. So nine, typically about eight nine horses. Is that all day take you to ride that many, or is that just how how, how many steers do you think you run? How many horses you use to ride in a day? Like just give me an average day. I mean, I probably run. I mean, for sure, probably 60, 60 steers a day. Yeah. I mean, I mean, probably for sure. So probably eight to 12 horses a day, maybe more. Yeah, 15. I mean, it, yeah, it just depends on where we're going or if I'm, you know, I can only haul about seven or eight with me, seven horses with me to go rope at someone's house. So if I'm doing that, then I usually just do that and I'll come home and, um, Maybe like if I have some colts at the house, I'll just rope the Marty on them or pen rope on them or breakaway or something, just jack with them like that if I have more time. But yeah, I I typically try not to run more than that because my shoulder gets to bothering me. But right, how do you stay motivated to do that? Has that been something that? Is there days where you don't want to do it, or how do you try to keep going? Yeah, I mean, there's days that I don't want to. I mean, there's days I don't want to do it. I'm tired and all that, but. I mean, it's, you got to just keep on working on getting better. And I mean, that's what's worked for me. I've, I've gotten lazy about it sometimes and it affects my roping. So I, I just try to just try to stay after it. I mean, you know, there's always something to work on, especially I like training horses. So if even if I'm not working on my roping that day necessarily, I like to work on the horses because it, you know, I just 
it gives me, you know, I'm making money. It's like my job. So it's like, I'm still getting paid every day I get on those horses. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making money. So it's better than building fence or, you know, I'd, I'd rather be roping than have a job. Right. So it gives me, I mean, there's a lot of down. I mean, there's only, I mean, we're home a lot of days during the week. So it gives me something to do all day instead of just I oh, mean, hang out. Absolutely. And then on top of it, when you love it, like, you know, when you're, this is something you want to do. I mean, this is what you're doing for the rest of your life, isn't it? Are you, yeah, are you going to, you going to retire and do something else? You think? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd like to just, I, I think this rope horse maturity thing, if it gets big, I'd like to just keep on working on uh, training horses and making good ones and kind of getting better at just training them and stuff. So when I get done rodeoing, I can maybe do that. Right. And I think there's a lot of money. I think there's going to be a lot of money in, in that rope horse maturity and the, all the gold buckle stuff and all that stuff coming up. So I agree. I think it's a great thing for the whole industry. What about um, mentally? Like you've made the finals five times now, right? Six. Six. Sorry, man. Uh, that's my bad. Six times. All right. Six times. You've obviously been in a lot of big situations and it's been consecutive when you make the finals. So I, I kind of like, I think that one's probably the biggest moment for a lot of guys when they get to it. But what was, what was that like going, getting ready for your first finals, like mentally, or was that one of the spots that was the hardest to to not be nervous and focus on your job? Or when was that? Do you know? Uh, like my first year. Yeah. So like, what what was your first year like at the NFR as far as? managing the emotions like being able to focus and and not get nervous or how do you try to to focus on your job i don't i didn't really i don't know i didn't it was just kind of weird it's it's really loud in there i mean yeah i mean once i backed in the box i kind of just just like every other rodeo it felt like to me you know like i just kind of once i not you know i'm back in the box i'm kind of zoned in so do you um do you have like something like, do you try to think through like every time you're backing in the box? I mean, that's, cause that's the one thing is you get heading, you've got to, you know, you've got to start to watch and you need to obviously make sure your horse is going to score and, and how you set them up before you even nod your head. Is that like the process you go into or what is that like as you're kind of riding in the box um, to, to what, what do you focus on? I mean, I'm just focused on trying not to watch the, ro- I mean, just try to, just try to do my job. Like just, run the, like, I want to have my horse set up right, make sure steer's looking straight, and then just ride my horse, and my roping will take care of it more. But I just want to make sure I'm riding, because if I think about I'm at the NFR, and, yeah, you know, T-Wade was just 3-6 in front of me, I mean, just go make the run. Then I'm right across their hard, try to hit the barrier, and try to get as close as I can to the steer. Because if you're in the middle of the arena, you're going to be fast and probably want to check. And that's what I just got to tell myself all the time. Because it's hard when you're walking. I mean, you watch two guys, three guys go three or four, you know, short four right in front of you. You're like, man, I want to win something tonight. You know, it's say third night, I want to check. And that's what's hard, I think, is that, you know, you'll step out and maybe I've done it. Step out and stub your toe. And then the next round you have that loper and you could have been three and still in the average, but you just tried one on and split the horns or waved it off or whatever instead of just turning that steer and waiting for the next one that's going to be, you know, give you just easy money, you know, easy steer to win money on and trying to win too early over there. I think that's what I've been trying to manage or trying to 
you know, it's hard to walk. It's hard to sit there. You sit there for 24 hours, you know, running under steer. So, you know, some guys have won 50,000 first two rounds. The last couple of years seems like somebody's won a bunch of money right off the bat. Same guy, you know, and this, you know, this, you see people winning money. So you're like, man, I want to, I need to be a little more aggressive. I think, you know, I'm being too slow. I think it's just good just to let the, you know, you might not have drawn good right off the bat and, and you didn't use the steer right, but just get, at least you're still on the average, you know. And you, you fall back on that foundation of your riding. Yeah. Know, like what you said earlier, like it, whenever you're slumped, whenever you get nervous, it's like you go to that foundation of, I know if I ride, I can set the run up, and then you can create the feel after that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I can get close enough to the steer, I can catch it. So, I, I, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I need to focus on is ride and set my – I mean, that's the easiest deal, I think, is once you hit the barrier right in your, in your riding – it's easier to rope when you're gaining on the steer. It's really hard to rope when you're not gaining if you're widening or whatever. If as long as you're gaining and going to the steer, it's easy to catch the steer for me, you know, in my mindset. And when you're losing ground on the steer and not riding and trying to throw a little bit of extra to get it to the head, I mean, that's that's chance here. Right. Yeah, and the, or the opposite. You know, when you're gaining too much as you're throwing and it's not set up and there's there's a lot of ways that it can get really off. But if you can get to that, spot of the foundation of your riding to create a shot and get to where you're close enough where you're comfortable throwing you know that's i think that's that's pretty much it at the end of the day right if you can consistently do that that's that's where it's at so the year that you and wesley that he he won the world you guys won the average that year right yeah does it change as you get like deep into that rodeo and things are like because you're wanting to at that point you know you're like when you're good in the average late into the week, does your mindset change there? Or is it just, you, is it easy to stay the same? Um, I mean, you know, our, we just want to keep catching those steers. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, we started getting on, like that year I, I made myself turn steers, you know, and, and just like I was just talking about that, I, I just, we, we got on a good little roll of steers and started making some good runs, made it and, start, and had it like, started winning some money and we're still in the average. So I was like, just keep doing this. And then it come down to the last couple of rounds. And, uh, I mean, we had, I mean, we were leading the average and we ended up doing good that night. And before the 10th round or whatever, I was like, I said, here's a deal. <laughs> I said, we can, I'd love to win the average. Cause that's, I mean, we had that, if we just catch this year in any kind of seconds for, or, you know, like 15 seconds or something, I think we were pretty much guaranteed if we were like that, so just to win the average. But I told him, I said, but if we place good in the round, they'll give you a chance to win the world. I mean, you know, that's, that's something that if I was in his position, I'd rather win the world than the average. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. and you don't get a lot. I mean, we worked all year long to get to have a chance to run one year for the, to win the world. And so I told him, I said, I'm just going to pretty much just what I said. I'm just going to, I mean, I just tried to ride the barrier good because we could almost take a barrier. We had a good steer. He kind of wanted to fight his head in the, the rounds before that. So I just told him, I'm going to get it on him. I'm going to bring it back pretty hard and just try to keep him on the end of it. And we ended up, I think, went in like third in the round, and it was good enough for him. But like that's what I told him. I said, I mean, you guys got – I just wanted to be – I could have just laid up right there, but I think – I mean, catching all those steers gave me confidence to be aggressive right there on the last one too. Because right. it got to be felt like easier to catch. I mean, I've had it go both ways at the finals where you get to the, it feels like it's, um, I mean, it, it felt like the easiest place to me. And then it felt um, like the hardest place to, for me to rope. And the, the more I've, 
I've made it, the more I've got confidence in it. You know, some guys show up over there the first year and it's it's easy, and and then some like it it just goes different. I mean, right? It could be a, it's the most humbling place and I've ever been for sure. Yeah, it can get it can be a gauntlet. There's gonna be guys that, like after round seven, they're ready to go home. Like, they, <laughs> yeah, they don't I mean, want no more of it, and it's it's weird, but it's like. When you look at the at rodeo and all year long, it somewhat feels like that too. You know, you have weeks where it just does not go your way, and you or a few runs, two or three runs, you know, where it kind of might get off, and you see that happen to teams. But yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate when it happens there on those ten days. Yeah, because when, when the ball swings your way, it feels easy. Like it's just, but it's not. I mean, I mean, it's it's not <laughs> it's not yeah. fun, but it's it's really fun when it's going good. So at round nine, like after you know, you guys are figuring that out, like. Did you have a chance to win the world, or was it just Wesley? Um, I don't know. It was maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, it, I had a chance. I think I ended up like ten or ten thousand out or something after behind Clay. So I think, I mean, I was second at thing, the end of the year. Things kind of needed to go your way, but it was it was yeah, a chance like, still. I don't know. I think, I think if, I think if Clay or if Jade gets a leg or something, you yeah. know what I mean, but. I think it happen. Right. He gets, he's, he gets a lot of my <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, I think that's what I think come down to it. Because uh, Brenton and Chase had a chance right there. Yep. And then the steer was pretty bad. Chase gets a leg. And then we went. And Wesley was winning it for sure. And then I think, and at that moment in time, I mean, I would have been. And then, but then Clay played, they placed in the round. They might have. They ended up placing in the round right there, and it was good enough for him. But that's what I told him. I said, we both have a – I mean, I said, we both have a chance to make it right here. I said, I'd rather win – have a chance – put myself in the least position to have a chance to win the world and then just win the average right here. <laughs> well, it, it's a huge accomplishment to win the average, and it's really hard to win. But world titles are tough. Just that week is – you see a lot of there's just a lot of money that can be won and it can really change like a lot of the times the teams that win the regular season and do really well might not have a, a good nfr and you're like man this team's been the been probably the best team or one of the best teams all year so when you do get a chance it it's like man at the end of the day when i when i get old kind of like you, you don't want to probably look back on that one and be like i just laid up and went and won the average you know when all you have to do is make an a, Aggressive but controlled run and still win the average and have a chance at the world title. Won a lot right? of steers to get to run that one. Yeah. I mean, we've gone, you know, so that's, I was, I mean, I, to me, that's a no brainer. I mean, I think it's easier for me to be, um, just do the same thing we've been doing all week. It's been placing. So it was easier for me to do that, anyways. It was more comfortable than if I would have just, you know, missed a barrier tick and sh- run up to the hip and shoot, wave it off the right horn. I mean, I would have felt like it, you yeah. know, an idiot at least. I, Gave it a shot and we got in the batter's box and swung. You <laughs> yeah. know, you tried to knock one out of the park. And 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 really too, when you think about it, you you did head one to win the world. Like it, it was you were winning the world and there's one team left to go, right? So it's like you get down to that that and and then on top of it, Wesley does get a world title out of it, and that's gotta be feel pretty good as well, too. So no, that's that's pretty fun. Did you sleep at all that that night before after round nine? Is that pretty? Is that a rough night's sleep though? Or do you run that steer a bunch? No, or what's no, that like? I, I I was good. Yeah, it, it's it's almost unreal. It. It's you're, almost yeah. It's almost on. It's just it's crazy to think that you're gonna back in there. Really, you know, when you're a little kid, think all right, this is to win the world. Well, you know that you feeling know I mean? like when you're like it's high just, call at a roping, yeah. right? And it's like, man, you're kind of excited, but you're like, it might be at a bigger open, but 
like I don't know that you're the BFI. Like you, you whenever you're like right there, to those top yeah. couple calls, like everything's no, up. Everything's up a little bit higher. You backed in. I mean, how many times you rope the fast lane or whatever when you're a little kid, and you say, "All right, we're at the BFI short round. We're at the yeah." Those are the ropings we're talking about. You're in and now. You're actually in the position. You know, you're high call back at the BFI, or you're, you know, what I mean, have a chance to win the world right here, or first round at the finals, or whatever. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. Like when you get to those rodeos and stuff like that, it's just like. I'm actually in the spot. Like yeah. now I got to do it. I practiced it, but <laughs> yeah. right now I'm here. Yeah. So that's, what's kind of cool. I mean, that's, and that's a pretty cool feeling. I think. What's the hardest thing about the, that week of the NFR that people don't really realize. It's just staying focused and stuff. There's so much stuff going on. I mean, uh, like signing and, and going and just, you're seeing people that you, you know, from home all the time. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's just not your normal schedule of rodeo. Right. You're usually by yourself or practicing or whatever you do. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's a long week. You're there for 14 days in Vegas. I mean, you know, so you kind of, by the end of it, a guy gets tired and kind of, you know, it just, how any would be if they're in Vegas for 14 days. Right. By the end of it, you're tired. I'll, uh, I got just kind of one more question before I let you get rolling. Um, you know, what do you think has been the biggest mistake that, or like loss that you've had roping? It ended up being like years later, or even just later time. Yeah, man, I got a lot from missing that steer, that 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 loss at the time. You're like really disappointed, but it at the end it ended up being a good thing. Every time I miss a short round steer, <laughs> every time I miss a short round steer, it's good for me because then it tells me, hey, don't be dumb, just go turn this steer right here. You're guaranteed money, you know. And that's every yeah, every, every time I every, try to be a hero. Time every money, time I so. try to be a hero, that's what I feel like I need to go back and do. <laughs> Just go turn the steer. It's devastating. Yeah, don't do that again. That's that's probably that's what get, you know bothers me the most is when I give away money. Cody, what's what's been the lowest financial spot you've been in, and how how did you how did you overcome that? I mean, I've <laughs> was there a time when you're like, man, I got to win today. Like you know what I mean? I you mean, know that you know those yeah. times when you're like rodeo and you're like, if I don't win this weekend, I'm ineligible next week. I've I've literally had three or four of those years. You're like, it's, man, I'm getting to the end of like, I I gotta win something. Do you have? Did you have any of those, or were you always? It was. Do you sell I haven't had a whole bunch of them rodeoing, but when before I started rodeoing, like when I first moved to Texas, yeah, I got my I got my butt kicked. Yeah. I mean, you know, like it was those ropings aren't cheap. Started teach yourself how to rope. You know, I mean, everybody out here comes out here and tries to see how what they have you know what i mean if they got what it takes to make it or whatever and it's i mean a lot of people come out here and it's not it's not easy to be there's five six guys that win even even with the good i mean there's guys that rodeo and make the finals but there's five or six guys that make a living roping and they win that's you know that's 10 teams and they pay four monies at the ropings five you know so that's probably going to place three of them and then you can kind of get that bottom hole unless you had a great day and that's hard to afford to do so that's what was hard for me to do is learn how to survive out here. And I always did pretty good at home. I, I always did pretty good with my money at home, keeping it together with those jackpots and stuff like that. But out here, I mean, you're not the you're not the big fish anymore, you know? Yeah. Did that make you kind of get where you like winning isn't doesn't mean as much as like the feeling of losing? Like when you do miss steers, like is that what kind of drives you to like keep getting better was the losing as opposed to the winning? Or did the winning motivate you as opposed to the losing? I don't know. <laughs> I've never thought of it like we're, that. But. We're, we're, we're getting, we're really breaking it down yeah, right here. We're getting down deep. 
I don't know. I like. I just. I didn't really think about win or lose, and I just want to try to do the. Uh, uh, try to do the best job I can. I want to be. My goal is to be the best. I want to be one of the best headers and and do it. Do it right and the way I see it. And that's that's what drives me. Is that I. I mean, getting beat. I, I like getting beat by good teams. I mean, not like I like it, but I mean that drives me. Is right. that makes me want to go home or I need to freaking get better. I need to make some better runs. I need to. I need better horses, or I need this or that, and uh, that's what probably drives me the most. Is I like watching good open, and but you know I learn off of that too. Why, why I'm getting beat? I see what those guys are doing, and I try to pick things like that apart from them. Yeah, essentially trying to get to the to the highest level uh, and be one of the best guys or the best guy, and and that's and that's a really cool thing. And and honestly, how you've went about it is been great because there's there's a few guys that they mention as the headers that win a lot and your name is in that in there and so that's got to be a lot of it's got to be fun to to have that happening and you know knowing that it's it's good you still got a long ways ahead as far as roping career goes but you're off to a good start yeah okay what has been your best like breakdown experience rodeoing or like show up late to a rodeo or I've just like you, stuff. just like yeah. What's what's been the biggest shit show I you've mean, had? I, rodeo I, well, between Wesley and I, <laughs> we've ran the truck out of death in the middle of Kansas at, at night when no gas stations open to sell death, and we were going twenty five miles an hour for <laughs> four hours. You know, like for four hours in the middle of the night, like leaving like Dodge City or something. And I would just we've done some stuff like that one uh, one summer. Who was like, driving though when it ran out of death? I probably was driving and I gave the <laughs> truck to him. I probably got out and said, "Hey, you're up." Yeah, <laughs> and then I said, "Hey, dude, hey, I don't know. It's out. You should have got deaf." Yeah, where's your deaf at? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> most of the time, it's probably me. Yeah, honestly, but I mean, one time we we're in one of his trucks and the our our generator in the trailer wasn't working. It was in the uh, we were at, in Sulphur Springs, Montana. We were about to go home, and you know, kind of during Ellensburg time and. The truck and the truck air conditioning wasn't working, mm. and it would it was it would like uh, limit us to how fast we could go. Like all we wanted to do is get home. It was so hot. You're headed home. No so AC. Hot. We had no, no AC. We had no the generator. windows open for just and, ever. I and the, like the check engine lights on, so your truck is probably can only like go like yeah. 50 miles an hour or something like that. Yeah. No. Like there was something messed up in the truck and. <laughs> Like, not just like death. We needed, we were just wanted home so bad. Needed a mechanic. Yeah. You guys just kept going. Yeah, we just kept on, <laughs> we kept on going. Uh, during this time, we stopped at a gas station on the reservation. There's a guy running around with a gun. Wesley locks me out of the truck. He jumps in the truck. He's getting gas. I'm walking out of the store, and this guy runs, he has a gun. I'm like, Wesley, oh, you had a gun. I said, why'd you lock me out? You know, he's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> so I run out of the truck, trying to get in it. He had a lock, and then we're finally it started working again. We got like the Albuquerque didn't work, so the last eight hours we just inched her in. Just, was, that was the longest trip ever. We wanted. I don't think we were. I think we just did all right. We saved that that weekend. Ended up just being all right, but we were wanting to be home. We've been gone, and that was that's the hardest. Is when you're breaking down and you're not, you can't get home, and and you're locked out of the truck, and a dude's waving a gun around. Yeah, he wasn't not at me, but he had one on him. Yeah, <laughs> he was, like it was it was an uncomfortable situation. Yeah, like I mean, you're I don't like, know man, know I do not want to be here. He was running, not out of the store or nothing, but just I don't know what they they were doing. Like he was on some shit. Yeah, yeah, I think so, but <laughs> it wasn't safe. And uh, 
Do you like knock on the like, you yell? Well, like, I was, like, yeah, I just kind of run up to him, and he just like looked at me, <laughs> and then tried to get the door undone. But all right, yeah. so my my well, you know, as far as like rodeo and showing up late, what's been the closest finish you've had? Like making it to a rodeo, but still getting the rope. What's the least amount of time you had? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've the closest call. I don't even remember the rodeo's the rodeo name. It was raining. I almost wish we wouldn't have made it, but <laughs> <laughs> we got there. I unloaded, didn't do the lope to the arena, and they were already on team three, and we were like team five or six. I and mean, we were calling them. We pulled it. I'm somewhere in Colorado, and that was. I mean, that was the, the latest we've been. But my horse, I muddy, really muddy arena. I reach, I head him. I it's just boggy. She's bucking across the arena. She's just humped up. I mean, she just drove eight hours. I mean, that's probably the latest we've ever been to a rodeo, though. I just wish I knew the name of it. Were you up somewhere, like, or you just, like, just showed up? No, late? we we were up just somewhere else and just. No, didn't sleep in. You guys were, like, rodeo that slack that yeah, morning yeah, or no, something like that. Yeah, no, we didn't mess up like that. I don't think we've ever, we've never not made it, which is good. Knock on wood. Yeah, it's always good. <laughs> we've never not made it, but that's probably the closest, though. I like it. I appreciate it, man. I, I thank you for coming on. This has been pretty fun, and you know, obviously, like I said, it's been cool to to see how you've managed your rodeo career, your horses, the business, everything. You've, I mean, put a huge amount of work into it, and when it pays off, it's always cool to see. Well, thank you, guys.